Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. like you're struggling a bit especially during this time of year we we can feel run down stressed out if you're looking for true rest the rest that only comes to the soul we have an answer for you today on way of grace with pastor jessica stan from grace bible church in hayward welcome to the program join us here in matthew chapter 11 verses 16 through 30 his easy yoke and light burden gives rest to our souls. When we trust in and rest in Christ, that is where we find rest, relaxation, and invigoration. Join us. Here's Pastor Jesse with more on today's broadcast of Way of Grace. The title of our message today is The Easy Yoke and Light Burden That Gives the Soul Rest. The Easy Yoke and the Light Burden That Gives the soul rest. Probably like John three sixteen, the words of our Lord in verse 28 are so commonly rendered and, and known that it almost goes without commentary that people have heard them. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light and you will find rest to your souls. We've heard it over and over and over again. We've heard it like we've heard Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. We've heard it like we've heard John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. We probably have heard Matthew eleven twenty eight so much that we actually don't know what it means. So now you know how we do it here at Grace. We try to help you come to an awareness that propositions mean something and they're not merely emotional tones on some kind of instrument to make you feel good. So as we deal with Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30 over the next couple of weeks, I really want you to press in with me the importance of what's being stated by our Lord at this time in our context. Now, if you really do believe in the importance of words. You must know that Matthew 11 verse 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, is a complex proposition. It is not simple. It's not straightforward. 
it's actually filled with data that requires you to back up and think about what the master is saying. First of all, the verse in front of you is actually a command. Now, I know most people would offer it and proffer it as being a kind of invitation. Invitation, and, and it is. In some ways, it is an invitation, but verse 28 of Matthew 11 is really a command. Now, you know what a command is? It's a set of instructions, mandates given by the subject to its objects, and when the objects take what the subject is saying seriously, they act on it. So when you and I are told to do something, we're being called upon to what? Act. So it's a command. Now, what that means is, if I don't respond affirmatively to this command, this imperative, this statement of instruction, I'm disobedient. And if I'm disobedient to the command, there will be what? Consequences. I stated this about two weeks ago in a Bible study because I'm constantly working with the flawed reasoning faculties of my present generation that doesn't reason through ideas well. They don't follow rules of logic when it comes to the meaning of things. And you got to really wrestle with people to get, to get them to think about what they are hearing or how they respond to it. Is that true? And when you think about that laborious task, boy, it becomes wearisome because people come up with the most outlandish responses to things that are said that have no correlation whatsoever. In front of you is a commandment that has two parts to it. The first commandment is, come unto me. That's what we're going to be dealing with today. Next commandment that Christ gives, and they are sequential, and they don't break, and they're tied together, just as the metaphor that's inherent in that second command will be dealt with next week. Take my yoke upon you. That is the imperative. Those are the double commands. Those are the twin commandments that Christ is offering, proffering, inviting men and women to embrace. First, come. Secondly, take my yoke. And might I say, you can't have the one without the other. So let me help you understand that what Christ is doing here is responding to thousands of people to whom he has preached. We'll talk about that in a moment. And now he is weeding through the crowd and he is speaking to certain people. John Stott, the great English preacher, put it like this. Matthew eleven twenty eight is the greatest invitation of all time. No other invitation matches it. No other invitation has a higher authority behind it. No other invitation has a greater benefit for those who come to it. But Matthew eleven twenty eight has an RSVP on it. Which brings us to our next point. It is not only a command. It is not only a double command. It is not only a double command with promise, it is a double command with promise given to a specific people group and to them alone. Inherent in this promise, inherent in this overture to come is a call to a specific people and them alone. In other words, like John 3:16 as you have learned, this is not an unconditional call to everyone. 
This is not a word by Jesus to anyone at any time who wants to come. This one is given by RSVP. And what that means is it's got to have your name on it. It's got to have your name on it. And if it doesn't have your name on it, you won't have any interest in it whatsoever. But if you find your name on this invitation, you know what your name is going to be? Labored and heavy laden. Did you know that was your name? Labored and heavy laden. Those will be the people alone who will respond to this invitation. And they will respond because for them, the invitation was personal and powerful. And it prevailed because the promise is exactly what they need. Matthew's at the end of chapter 11, pulling up our first uh, point. I want to deal with you an introduction of our first point because I've only got three points to deal with today. I want you to get the context with me. We do like context because we're dealing with a narrative. Is that not? We're dealing with a storyline. What are we dealing with? We're dealing with a season where Christ's ministry is becoming exceedingly popular. In fact, he's, he's preaching itinerantly all throughout Galilee and, um, and, 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 and Ju- uh, Jerusalem. And now he is descending his disciples out. In fact, the way this text opens up is in chapter 10, verse 1. If you look at the verse, notice what it says in chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So the thing that I want you to know is that at present, the Savior has commissioned his disciples and qualified them to preach the gospel to the Jews and to the Jews only. Secondly, we have in chapter 11, verse 1, a very important reality around What Jesus does when he calls his people to go out and preach the gospel, when he commissions us to preach the gospel, do you know that he does not leave us alone? Christ commissions us to preach, and then he goes behind us and confirms the word that we proclaim. So we find in chapter 11, verse 1, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of what? Commanding his disciples, he departed thence to what? Teach and to preach in what? Their cities. Follow me, ladies and gentlemen. He sent them out. He gave them commandment to preach. They went and they preached, and Jesus came behind what they did and confirmed everything that they said. Now that is what I need. I need the Lord to go behind me when I preach and take my words and make them his words in your heart. Otherwise, they will have no authority whatsoever. I need the commission that's on me. You need the commission that's on you to be confirmed by the power of the living God so that men and women might know you are hearing from an authority. It's comforting then to know that when we're called to preach the gospel, we don't have to worry about its success or failure. All we have to worry about is making sure we tell men and women the truth. Tell the truth. And let God the Holy Ghost take the word and confirm it in the hearts of men and women. Y'all following me? So Christ commissioned them to go. Christ confirmed their word by going behind them in his proclamation. But as the case is with the gospel, our Savior finds himself necessarily in Matthew 11 verse 20, beginning to condemn them, condemn the people to whom he had preached. Now why is that? 
Verse 20 says, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they what? Repented not. Stay with me, ladies and gentlemen. The gospel never ever declares that all men everywhere will repent. The gospel never ever asserts or assumes that anytime you share it, that somebody's going to believe it. If you're going to do the will of the Father, if you're going to be like the Son to do the will of the Father, here's what you must know. All you're called to do is the Father's will. Now, what falls out from the Father's will is up to the Father. In this context, because the Son of God is very God himself, he has the right to go behind the rejection of his overture and let men and women know you're under the wrath of God since you are repenting are not repenting, rather, of the very thing that can save you. So what does he do? In verse 21, notice how he upbraids them. He reproves them. Matthew 11, verse 21. Woe unto you, Chorazin. Woe unto you, Bethsaida. Woe unto you because of the mighty works which I have done in you. Had they been done in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. Whoa! You haven't heard preaching like that in a long time, have you? You, California, will be brought down to hell. You haven't heard it. Because our pulpits have extracted the offensive components of the gospel. And men and women are all right in a false security because of their prominence. He said to Capernaum, you have been exalted. You know what that means? God in his mercy on a local and a social level allowed Capernaum to become a very prosperous city. In fact, Capernaum is where Christ did a lot of work. He knows what he's talking about, about them being exalted. But in their exaltation, they have become proud. You know what that means? They don't need Jesus. They've got good jobs. They've got good bank accounts. They're healthy. They're wealthy. They're wise. They don't need Jesus. And he's letting them know right now, you have a problem. You are on your way down. Why? Because God resists the what? And before fall, there's always pride. Capernaum is coming down. So the component of Christ's proclamation right here is that he's speaking to cities that he created, people that he made, the breath in their mouth to rebel against him, the minds and all of the resources that keep them in their constitution, he now has to rebuke and admonish before them and let them know really what's at stake here is your eternal destiny. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if, if Christ matters to you, you know what this means? The son of the living God cares about souls enough to let them know their present behavior is setting them on a course for hell. Stay with me now. The son of the living God cares about people's souls enough to let them know, not only are you not right, that's a euphemism. You know how we go, you ain't right. Have you ever said that? You ain't right. What does that mean? Now, if you're on your way to hell, somebody ought to tell you, hey, hey, you on your way to hell. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, the man in our text cares about souls more than any other human being on the planet. And the kind of charisma, the kind of preaching, the kind of euangelion, the kind of proclamation that he's setting forth lets us know that he's serious about men and women being saved. 
That therefore is for you and I a moment of pause and thinking. Do we really care about the souls of men to let them know when we have a clear assessment that they're going the wrong way to let them know, hey, hey, you're going the wrong way. See, our master wants them to know you're on the wrong course. Ladies and gentlemen, is there such thing as deception? Can men and women be deceived? Can they be deceived to the degree that they think they're on the right course, but in fact are on the wrong course? And our Lord is letting this whole group of people know, hey, you are on the wrong course. So we have the Savior's commission. We have his confirmation of the disciples affirming their healing and preaching. Then he ha we have the Savior's condemnation of the rejectors of the gospel. And he's publicly scathing them because they refuse to come to him. We read down over in verse 24. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Is that bad or what? Now again, if words matter to you, if propositions mean something, there are a couple of things I want to take away as we land on our text and go to work boring down into and wrestling with the implications of the first imperative. We're going to wrestle with it and then we're going to submit to it. We're going to wrestle with the text because we are students of the Word of God. We are disciples of Christ. We're going to wrestle with the text, and we're going to let the Holy Ghost body slam us into the truth. And we're going to go, Uncle, you're right. Okay, that's what we're going to do because this is a matter of eternal life. Our Lord just said the behavior of Capernaum will merit them a severer judgment in hell than the behavior of Sodom and Gomorrah. Is that serious or what? And then he had said to the cities before, if Sidon and Tyre, other Gentile nations, had heard what I'm preaching to you, they would have quickly repented. And what does he mean by that? He means there are those who will hear the gospel and believe. And there are those who will hear the gospel and not believe. And God knows who they are. This moves us to our next point. If in fact Christ is the one who commissions his disciples, if Christ is the one who confirms them, if the Savior now is condemning those whom out of love, all whom he loves, he what? Rebukes. Then the Savior is also now calling in confidence and vocal celebration the reality that he knows that his ministry and his ministry through his people will never be a failure because he quotes in verse 25 some very interesting words. Matthew 11:25 says in our hearing, and at that same time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and you have revealed them unto babes. Stay with me now. Here's the evangelist. Here's the missionary. Here's the preacher of the gospel. Here's the man who's doing his father's will. Very much aware of the antagonism and the antipathy and the hatred and the opposition of unregenerate, hostile men and women towards the gospel. Very much aware that the gospel we share with them is narrow and defensive. Very much aware that many of them are going to play it off like they don't understand you. I 
get that all the time. I can't understand him. Some old folk, 950 years old with five degrees, one in English, can't understand what I'm saying when a 12-year-old in the audience is shouting hallelujah for the simplicity of the gospel I'm preaching. Stay with me. Stay with me now. What Jesus knows is we have intrinsic prejudices against God telling us anything. He knows that. He knows that the vast majority are not going to cooperate. Remember what he said? We are like children in the marketplace calling unto our fellows, meaning that the preacher is just the same as the people to whom he's preaching. Fellows mean we are equal. So what Christ was saying is, I'm your equal. I'm a human being like you. All I'm telling you is that the Father has sent me that you might be saved. Y'all should be rejoicing. No, y'all crying and mourning like y'all didn't understand the tune that I was playing. Then he says, be careful because there's a time coming when you won't find me, when you won't hear me, when my words won't make sense. I'm not going to always be there for you, contrary to what people think. And then you know what they do? They start celebrating and dancing as if Christ is speaking in tongues without interpretation. He's as clear as day. But the people are incorrigible and hostile anyway. Now, when you got all this going on, it can be extremely discouraging to want to share the gospel. When you got people who won't hear it, when you got people who act like they can't hear it, when you got people who are going to pose you for saying it, it can make you discouraged to share the gospel. Do you know what our master does? He looks up to heaven and says, Lord, I thank you. You know why I thank you, Lord? Because you're sovereign. Y'all may not know what that word means, but it means God runs the universe. He sits on the circuit of heaven. God is the great judge, and everything in the universe operates according to the counsel of his own will. Like, there's nothing that happens that God doesn't control, that God doesn't govern, that God doesn't actively employ or passively allow. Everything is operating according to plan, Jesus says. Not only that, he says, here is where my joy comes in. Here's where my joy comes in. You hide these precious eternal verities from proud men, and you reveal them to babies. Men and women who come to know that they depend upon God for everything. He says, you've hid them from the proud, you've revealed them to babes, for even so, Father, it seemed good in your sight. Christ is rejoicing in the fact that the gospel will never fail because God has a people who will hear his message. And one description of them, are you ready, is that they're babes. Except you humble yourself like a little child, you will never enter into the joy of the Lord. Except you humble yourself like a little child, you will never enter into the blessings of the gospel. Except you humble yourself like a little child, watch this, and become honest about your condition, you will never find the rest that Christ offers to sinners. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Now we're getting ready to press in because upon this acknowledgement in verse 25, Christ begins now to move on into the overture. Verse 26 says what? 
Matthew eleven twenty six. Even so, Father, it is good in your sight. Verse 27, here it is. In verse 27, our Lord Jesus Christ said, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will what? That means revelation is a consequence of the sovereign will of the Father corresponding with the Son, so that the only way you know the Father is through the Son. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan, the Ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was an impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com, rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768. Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again, for directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless.